0: All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch.
1: Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
0: what's up guys i am excited to bring to you kashif khan co-founder and ceo of the dna company just when you thought we've hacked everything possible from sleep to diet and morning routines kashif's company is proving that we can hack our dna to optimize our health even further today we're jumping into the world of genomics and looking at aging personalized health and how we're approaching a time where chronic disease may truly become a choice I hope you guys love listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. And if you do, please leave a review on our podcast. It really is the best way to support us so that we can get the show out there to more people just like you that want more from their life. I'm Tom Bilyeu, and welcome to Impact Theory. We have a patient for whom the root
1: cause of his cholesterolemia was identified as being that he golfed too much. What? And how is that a medical diagnosis? It makes no sense, right? So here's what was going on.
0: Kashif Khan, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure, man. Good to be here. Dude, I'm very excited. So what is the things that people can do on a daily basis if they want to stop aging or even reverse it if possible?
1: So first of all, what's aging? So aging is uh, the literal meaning is degradation of the cells. Your cells start to unravel. The DNA literally unravels, unpacks. Mm. And the physical manifestation of that is, you know, white hair, sagging skin, cells are degrading. So what causes that? Inflammation, lack of detoxification, and poor oxidation. So these three areas are the key factors in why cells get harmed. And they age, and then outwardly you start to age. So the answer isn't, here's what everybody should do. It's more that the answer is personalized. Here's what you should do, and what you should do, you should do. Meaning, I could tell somebody that cardiovascular activity is what you need, And to somebody else, that's the reason they would age.
0: Yeah, see, that's crazy. So what angle? We should probably get into the genomics of it all. So what's the difference between genetics, which I think most people are familiar with, and genomics? Mm -hmm. We'll start there. And then we'll get into how it could be possible that for some people running is the right thing and other people will look haggard and (laughs) old because of doing it. So So
1: genetics was rooted in our healthcare model which is respond to illness, Mm. right? Pill for an ill. You're sick, we'll come help you. Why did you get sick to begin with? That's functional genomics. Just like there's medicine and there's functional medicine. Medicine is go break yourself and I'll fix you, maybe. Functional medicine is why did you get sick? What was the root? And let's deal with that so you don't get sick or we reverse the illness. And this applies to chronic disease and to aging. When it's acute in nature, broke your arm, have a terminal cancer, yes, run to the hospital and get fixed. All this other stuff, which is 90% of our healthcare budget, does not need to happen. And what we've understood is that if you understand biology, right, first, then reverse engineer what genes drive those processes, it's not about your genome says you have an 80% chance of Alzheimer's. It's why did 20% not get it? What were they doing right? Their environment choices, their nutrition choices, that's healthcare. Studying the healthy to teach those habits to prevent disease or you know, not to, to slow down aging or be optimal in your energy, better sleep, whatever it is that you want to do.
0: Okay. So now the personalized medicine, I think is the future that Mm -hmm. seems undeniable in terms of we're all slightly different. And so assuming that we all have the same start point is a mistake. However, it also seems to me like they're pretty universal factors. So Mm -hmm. what are, before we drill into like what are the things you need to understand about your own genetic makeup, what are things at a broad level that like I would have thought, until I started researching you, I would have said everybody should be exercising. Right, right. And if somebody had said, oh, I run every day, I'd be like, word, that's amazing. If somebody said I was lifting weights every day, I'd be like, word, that's amazing. I wouldn't have thought that there are some people that are going to get themselves in trouble by running. So if that isn't one of the universal recommendations, what are, even if it's a super narrow set, what are the as close to universal as we're going to get?
1: I would say the, the thing that stands out the most, that is the least applied, is understanding environmental health. And why do I say this? The first thing we talked about was the, the health of your cells, right? The biggest threat to the health of our cells is the current environment we live in. Our A fine
0: environment, like uh, so pollutants in the air or what I eat.
1: All of that. So, every, so how do things enter your body? You breathe them and you eat them primarily, also through your skin, but primarily these two functions. The way you do that, that first line of defense here to block and prevent also in your gut, some of us do those things differently. For example, me, the genetic instruction to actually defend the gut from toxins coming in in the food that I'm eating, I don't even have that gene. So forget about what version or what variant or how well, I don't do that process. So you wonder why I had eczema and psoriasis and autoimmune conditions and because I was eating just like everybody else. So the reality of who we are, our genetics are 200,000 years old, by the way. So when you think about our ancestors and let's do what grandma did, you are the same of people of 200,000 years ago. Our genome hasn't changed. So imagine the reality of how we live, that blip in time, the last you know, industrialized couple hundred years, agriculture is 10,000 years old, versus the 200,000 years of habits that we're wired for, and you wonder why chronic disease is so prevalent that you're just expected to have cancer and cardiovascular conditions, because the choices that, even the options, are not the right options, right? The environmental options, the pesticides in your grass, the the drying agents that dry up the wheat so they can store them. That shouldn't be an option, Mm. right? And all of a sudden, you wonder why everybody's so sick. This is why. So that's the one thing that I would say. If you can understand environmental exposure and threats, that will take you far.
0: Okay, so we can probably spend a lot of time on this, and it's probably worth the time, but I want to make sure that we give people breadcrumbs to follow. So understanding genetics, I'm going to give it to people really simplistically, fill in any gaps that I leave out. So... Genetics are, are a literal instruction manual for your body. Oh, God, that's so generic. <laughs> but the, that entire instruction manual is inside of every cell, but only certain parts of the instruction manual are made, are unwound mm-hmm. so that that cell type can read it. So the part of the genome that has to do with the heart is made available to cells that are heart cells. The part of the genome that has to do with the eye is made available to cells in the eye. And part of aging is that the wrong parts of the genome get exposed to that cell, so you get de-differentiation. So I cells start, am I a skin cell, am I a brain cell, am I a heart cell, what the hell am I? And so part of all of the environmental insults is that it's exposing the wrong part of the instruction manual to that cell. But there's also the complexity, which you were alluding to a minute ago, All of us have misspellings, Mm -hmm. paragraphs out of order, paragraphs that are missing, or I know in your case, I didn't even know this was possible, that there are pages that are missing. So there are things your body should do that, and I'm sure this is true for all of us, I just happen to know yours because you've talked about it. There are things that your body is supposed to be doing that it, it does not have instructions for. And when you didn't know that that was the case for you, The symptoms that you were encountering, um, migraines, nausea, uh, I think there was eczema, like all kinds of stuff, it was all mysterious. Mm -hmm. Once you understood that you were missing that page, it was like, okay, now I know what's going on. Walk people through that story as an illustration of that point. Yeah,
1: so you're, you're right on, right? So, and that's the most eloquent description I've ever heard, you know, so it's amazing that you've understood at that level. Essentially, what we're saying is, here's your human instruction manual. Here's a code that's telling your cells, and like you said, other micro, you know, processes beyond the cell what to do. And each cell knows what page to read, to do its job as a liver cell or a heart cell, etc. If you have spelling mistakes or pages missing or bad code, you're not going to do the job well. So our assumption is, here's how the cardiovascular system works. Here's how the hormone system works. We, We understand those things. Our assumption is we're all doing those things the same way. We're not. Right. We all have broken code, missing code. We have exponentially beneficial code and we overdo the job sometimes, which can cause autoimmune conditions. Right. The same thing that is protective can end up hurting you if you do too much. Right. So now all of a sudden you can start to read that book and you can understand that I'm missing a page like myself. Right. So you what's the
0: page you're missing.
1: So there's the glutathione pathway, which is what, it's the main driver of your detox process. So we know when we drink alcohol, Mm. your liver helps clear the nonsense out and you keep whatever you want to keep in, right? So some of us don't do the same in terms of how do we react to alcohol. Why? Because that process, we don't do the same. The version of that gene, it's possible to have what's called a copy number variation. How many copies of the gene do you have? The thing that you said you didn't know. If you don't have the gene, you don't do that job. So how are they even supposed to cope with the alcohol or the pollution from you know, traffic or from the pesticides you put in your lawn? We have a patient for whom the root cause of his cholesterolemia was identified as being that he golfed too much. What? And how is that a medical diagnosis? It makes no sense, right? So here's what was going on. Like me, he was missing certain detox genes, didn't even have them. And he would golf four days a week. And he was golfing in Canada, where I'm from, where the regulations around what you're allowed to use is a little lack because we have a long winter. Use so for what? To make the golf course so pretty and beautiful. Got it. Pesticides.
0: Got it. Right? How so do you, make- you guys diagnose him with you're playing too much golf. Yeah. By looking at his genes, you see a lack of detox. Yeah. You ask him about. So this is all in the context of environment. You ask him, what do you do? He's like, I don't know, man. I'm so healthy. All I do is golf and I eat right. Golf? Yes. Tell me more. Exactly, and then you start to then you ask, well, why would that lead to
1: cholesterolemia? Why, at the age of thirty-eight, he was actually a clinician, by the way. Uh Why, at the age of thirty-eight, a clinician that has studied everything that you need to study in university cannot get his cholesterolemia under control? It was taking Lipitor, number one prescribed drug. We can determine the quality of your hardware, your your literal uh, arterial walls, the inner lining of your blood vessels. He had the worst possible quality. Meaning, instead of this stainless steel, resilient material, it was From a genetic standpoint? From a genetic standpoint, yeah. So you
0: could look at his genome and go, bro, like if you're not really careful, you're going to have a heart disease. Just just at a genome level. Just
1: starting there, yeah. That being said, he wasn't born sick. Right. It doesn't mean he's going to get it. You have to make the wrong choices, and he did. What he did was he golfed four days a week in Canada, where there's a lot of toxins in the grass, Mm. breathing this stuff in for four or five hours at a time without any detox Mm. regimen as part of his daily routine. All of a sudden, there's this free-flowing toxic toxic insult in his blood causing the inflammation to this bad quality hardware that he has, which is so prone to inflammation. And that's one of the things we said earlier is one of the roots of aging. So what is the body's response to when you have inflammation here in the inner lining of the arteries, which are such an important part of your body, Mm. it will actually deploy cholesterol as a hormone to reduce the inflammation. When cholesterol meets toxicity, it actually hardens, and it gets deposited, and you get that buildup. We can actually determine genetically how well you transport lipids. There's that HDL, LDL process. You're supposed to send it to the liver. Some people don't do that so well. And then that's another compound layer why he would get this so fast. So we start to unpack his habits and say, you know, stop the golf. Or the other dial you turn is start detoxifying. Take the right supplements, eat the right foods, keep the habit. Okay, you're going to keep golfing, then you also need to do this. Or stop the thing that's causing you the problem. Or hopefully a little bit of both.
0: Mm. Yeah, so this is crazy. Okay, your own story, which I find fascinating. You're in what was an auto shop? What was going on? Paint fumes. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys had a marketing company. If yeah, I'm not yeah. So that that but you're was in the what same I, building with somebody kicking off. My
1: passion teams. was always helping startups grow. I loved it. Right, I loved that zero to some level and then pass it on, and I did that many times for other people. Right, um, me and my business partner, we had a very different experience. Where three, four years into our office environment, like you said, eczema, migraines, which was probably the worst part. He used to drive me home, and I literally open the door and vomit Jesus. out the door in the middle of the highway, and then keep going. Uh, psoriasis, which is different than eczema. Eczema is inflammation; psoriasis is autoimmune.
0: And at this point, you know you're not making the connection between I smell the fumes and I start feeling bad. No. Well, I didn't even smell the fumes,
1: right? I didn't know.
0: Hmm. What all That's I knew was I terrifying. felt
1: horrible. And you just believe, you go to the doctor, which I did, and you start getting a pill and you believe this is part of life. This is part of aging. You get sick as you age. And I believed that. I truly believed it until I asked the question, why? Right? I'm 42 now and I was 38 at the time. I said, why now all of this stuff happening at the same time? I must yeah. be doing something wrong.
0: I, I want to like really bang a drum here for people. So modern medicine is amazing. Acute care is absolutely necessary. But if you're having headaches and you just go, how do I get rid of the headache? And you never ask, why do I have a headache? You will end in a death spiral. So Mm -hmm. I went through this with my wife Mm -hmm. and it was insanity, finally figuring out what was causing the problem. But until you get to the root cause of it, you're You could be exacerbating the symptoms. You're certainly only masking them. You have not addressed the root cause. And something I've heard you say is that all these things you think the spoke problems, if you deal with the hub issue, all the spokes go away. That's what happened to me. I've been healthy for.
1: I tested myself for biological aging at that time when I started to learn that there was a different way to control my health. And at 38, I was 43 internally. So you can do an aortic stiffness test, try and understand how much you've aged internally. I'm now 42 and my biological age is 33.
0: Wow. So you right. literally went back to the biological my clock. Is that um, the Horvath clock looking at it literally, telomere? Literally, you length? can use,
1: uh, so yes, telomere length, which my aging paused. It hasn't increased. It actually, so a telomere is like these caps at the end of your DNA, and it's kind of like wear and tear. You can determine how much damage you've done to your DNA, and that gives you some indication of aging. This is understanding your cardiovascular health. How much stress have you put your cells under, that unraveling we were talking about? Mm. You can measure it specifically with this pulse aortic uh, aortic stiffness test. It's very easy. You do it on your finger. So when you're saying your your
0: age went backwards, the elasticity of your aorta improved. Yeah. And the
1: best way to paint this picture that you're talking about, um, I see this cube in front of us, right? So imagine if I came to you, and this is just to help people understand, and this is exactly what I went through and what actually most people are going through. If this was a fishbowl, and I came and presented you this gift of this fish. And let's call this fish sushi. So sushi's in the bowl, right? And I presented sushi in toxic, polluted water. Mm. You instinctively would know, let's get her out of there and put her somewhere else, right? But if you left her in there, what would happen? You would expect things like eczema, things like mood and behavior, banging on the glass, life is miserable, eventually cancer, right? Maybe cardiovascular, disease. everything would start to go. We know that already, mm. Right. If you then put her into the healthy water, great. But what do we actually do? You leave her in the water, give her a pill for the eczema, a pill for the migraine, chemo for the cancer, and you stay in that environment. That's why I mean that environmental health is our biggest threat. Mm. The things that we're doing and the things that we're amongst are not what we're designed for. We don't have the genetic code to cope with our reality. We literally, this fishbowl is our reality. So you have to do two things, one of two things, or maybe both. Improve capacity... Take the right supplements for you based on what you don't do well genetically and we're not all the same. Or remove yourself from this environment. And I did both, right? I'm healthier than I've ever been. I don't get sick anymore. I used to miss work every couple of weeks. I, just, I am healthier than I've ever been in every way imaginable, right? So that's exactly what would happen if you took sushi from here, put her here, give her some time, healing. That is health, right? Dropping pills in there, that's not health.
0: Yeah, so this is the hardest thing about health is it's really hard to know what is causing the problem. And like, even myself, I know that it's going to be environment or something I'm eating, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just, or sleep. But I, like, there's a pretty narrow band of things that you know it's going to be one of those things. But even though there's only a handful of things, those things are so complicated. The fact that you, you didn't even smell the fumes that mm-hmm. were creating the problem, that's terrifying. Because now you have one less cue to pick up on. So this actually happened to me a while ago, maybe a year ago now. Um, I was having tremendous brain fog. I felt tired all the time. I couldn't focus in the way that I normally do. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, this is so weird. I could not figure it out, couldn't figure it out. And I honestly was like, am I just overwhelmed with stress? Do I not like what I do anymore? Like, what's going on? And I thought, okay, if somebody came to me and described these symptoms, what advice would I give them? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's something you're eating. And I'm like, but I'm not, I know my diet is so clean. There's nothing I'm eating that's problematic. And I'm like, I would still tell the person, whatever you're eating a lot of, stop eating it and Mm -hmm. see what happens. I happened to be eating a lot of pecans at the time. So I thought, well, pecans are the only thing I'm eating a lot of. Let me just cut them out and see what happens. 72 hours later, I felt perfect. I was like, what the fuck, pecans? Like, how is this possible? It seemed so unreal because I thought of pecans. I mean, they were raw pecans, first of all, let's start with that. So it's not even like they um, they were being processed in some crazy way. But then I tell my sister, can you believe, this is the weirdest thing ever, I was having all this brain fog. I stopped eating pecans and now I'm fine. She's like, oh yeah, I can't eat pecans either. If I eat them, I get migraines. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, it, that was so weird to me. Yeah. And to one, to think that it is a knowable thing because my sister has the exact same, yeah. not, it didn't manifest exactly in the same way, but that it was a problem for her that she could track back as well. But that it was so delayed, and this is my real point with health and what you eat and what you're exposed to is so terrifying. It's like steering a boat. When you're in a car, the second you turn, the car moves. In a boat, you turn the wheel, and three seconds later, it starts to move. Mm -hmm. And so it's very difficult to steer if you're inexperienced. The same is true of health. You may not like it took seventy-two hours for the symptoms to go away. So if I had stopped eating for twenty-four hours and I thought, nope, no change, and started eating it, why leave them out if it doesn't make a difference? And started eating them again, then it goes on forever. And now I can't make the connection.
1: Yeah, the the exact same thing happened to me, by the way. And often when it comes to foods, it's not always the food. It's the processing. Even even something like a pecan, where you think it's not processed, there's something there. And let me give you an example. There's a, a drink that I like. I like carbonated drinks. Bro, right? me too. Yeah. Now, I figured, how do I get something with some flavor that doesn't have any sugar in it? Mm-hmm. So I found one with Stevia. And according be to Ben Greenfield, no problem, right? Yeah. So I started drinking it. Uh, and I, I had minor headaches that week. The next week, it started turning into brain fog, right? And this was when I said, I'm doing something that's causing an inflammatory response. What is it? And I didn't lean on this because it seemed so clean and healthy. I, had this pre, you know, I just thought it was great. But anyways, I, I read carefully. So there's the water, there's stevia, but there was a natural flavor, mm. right? Natural means it's from a plant or an animal, yeah. which seemingly should be fine, right? What does it take to derive a natural flavor and put it into your food? Between 50 to 100 chemicals. Whoa. Yeah. The average is 70. 70 chemicals to take a natural flavor, get it into the material that it needs where it actually is usable in food. But none of that is listed as an ingredient because it's not an ingredient. It's a processing chemical. It's not on the package. You don't get to see the 70 things you just ingested. Right. Right? So I stopped drinking it like yourself. After the third day, symptoms were gone. Because the inflammation cycle takes some time to recover. You're inflamed. Right? That would have led to mood issues. Neurological inflammation that would have led to arterial inflammation. Just like my friend that had the golf problem, I don't have the best quality arterial lining, right? So it just depends how much inflammation are you getting, from what sources. You got to cut it all out and you can feel amazing.
0: Yeah, man, this is, uh, aging is a big deal, aesthetically, but also from a performance standpoint Mm -hmm. and getting that stuff right. How much of this can we, move backwards. So your arterial flexibility, you actually move backwards. It got yeah. more elastic again, which is phenomenal. So I'll just throw out a PSA. You are what you eat Yes. and you are what you ate. ate. Yeah. So if your cows are eating Skittles, yes. which I can't believe is a real thing, Yeah. Uh, then you're eating meat yeah. where the Skittles at a minimum would be stored in the fat. But even just like From a you're turning over, I think every cell in the body turns over what every 12 years maximum, and most of them are turning over a lot faster than that. So, if you're ingesting something, then whatever those cells are made of, you're going to be intaking. And so, you can move your things like arterial flexibility back, but can you with the telomeres? I'm much more familiar with the Horvath clock and like. I don't know, do, does that matter as much? Yeah, so is arterial you, flexibility the thing we are looking you at That's to?
1: looking at epigenetic expression, right? So what does that mean? Your genome is here's the instructions you have. Mm-hmm. Here's what your cells are being told what to do. Your epigenetic expression is now based on your environment, nutrition, lifestyle factors, the load you put on this DNA. Some of those gene instructions may be sped up or slowed down. You eat a blueberry, it does something to your genes, a specific gene perhaps, mm-hmm. right? Uh, women know that if you use curcumin and turmeric, it slows certain or dim, for example. It helps them with their hormone imbalances. What dim? It's <laughs> a supplement that is in any female menopause or hormone estrogen dominance supplement. So if I have your DNA, I can tell you exactly how your hormone cascade looks, meaning like yourself, just by looking at you, androgen dominant, a lot of testosterone, not a lot of estrogen and good clean androgens, not the toxic DHT. Hmm. You don't clear it. You also don't, you know, um, you don't convert to estrogen, like I said earlier, right? So it's, it's clear from your phenotype, your manifestation of the genes. So all of a sudden you can be very clear about that stuff. Um, and then if somebody like yourself is androgen dominant, they can start to pick at that and say, well, now what problems does that, that cause? It's a benefit to you. Mm-hmm. You're going to live a little longer. You're going to have a little more vitality. Uh, you're not going to age as fast right? But it could lead to prostate issues, right? It could lead to, if you were to, God forbid, get something like COVID, you might get a little more sick than other people. Whoa, Myocarditis, right? Why is it that so many young men are, that's the outcome Mm -hmm. of injecting something because of what's happening with their testosterone level? Then why not every young man, only some, right? Because their hormone paths are different. The genes that are instructing what they do with their hormones are different. So if you are in that bucket where you net out, like yourself, a lot of clean androgens, Myocarditis is a real risk, right, where it isn't for some other people. And that's why I'm saying that the very first thing I said is personalization. Any question you ask, the answer isn't the same for all of us. Mm -hmm. The same thing that could be highly beneficial for somebody, first thing we talked about, cardiovascular activity, right? Let's get into that. Your oxidative pathway, what what happens when you're running? You're taking in more oxygen. All the cells in your body take in oxygen and nutrition to create energy, right? Right? And in that process of using oxygen to make energy, you also create an oxidant. And that oxidant is a free radical. It's toxic. It causes inflammation. Your cells, there's a gene called SOD2, which is meant to clear this from the cell. So it's meant to go find it, get rid of it, put it into the blood, and then your detox pathways, catch it, grab it, send it to the liver, and then you're done. If you don't do that well, then it's kind of like having a fireplace with no chimney. And the soot is just piling up. Mm. And you're running on the treadmill. And that oxidation is choking your cell and aging it faster, creating that inflammatory state that you shouldn't have because you're doing something that is misaligned to your genetic capacity. Right? If you also don't detoxify well, it's also now causing inflammation in other parts of your body. So that thing could be the root cause of your cholesterolemia because again, an inflammatory insult to bad hardware. Right? Or that thing, if you deal with oxidation really well, then you do get the cardiovascular benefit because your cells are not choking in oxidation. And it's gonna add 10 years to your life. Right? So the habit misaligned to your genome equals problems. Mm. A habit aligned to your genome equals life extension.
0: Jesus, man. So we get so much advice. And from diet, eat like this, I remember as a kid, my dad was very overweight, and the doctor was like, if you don't change your diet, you're going to die. Hmm. And their advice, though, was to basically go high carb, low fat. Yeah. Whoops. (laughs) So not great advice. The good news is that my dad is hyper disciplined, so he just restricted the life out of his calories and ended up losing a lot of weight. Awesome. Um, But... That is just thankfully, in fact i 'd be so curious to see if you can actually see willpower in the yeah. the genetics, because man, I have me some willpower, yeah, like that is for sure, yeah, and I think my dad probably does as well, watching him like go because there 's the book um what 's it called oh god it 's something about live or die, something like that, I forget, and it it tracks people, and can they make the very simple decisions that they need to elongate their life and 95% of people, if all they have to do is take a single pill once a day for the rest of their life to elongate their life by like five or 10 years, they don't do it. Yeah. And I'm scandalized by that. Yeah. But so, go ahead. Sorry, so
1: this is, this is my favorite part about what we do. And I'm not a scientist. I'm not a clinician. I was sick and I found a solution and I built a company mm. around it. Right. Cause I just felt everybody needed it. Um, the thing that I personally have focused on building that I found was the most broken in genomic interpretation was the brain and mood and behavior. Most people didn't believe that there was an answer. So that, that belief that 99% people won't take the pill, it said 99% of people were given the prescription in a way that doesn't align to their thinking. Mm. They will all take the pill if you understand how they think.
0: Now you're in my zone. Yeah. How, how is that possible?
1: So take me for example. The dopamine pathway, which you're familiar with, pleasure yeah. and reward, right? That chemical allows you to feel these two things. We understand biologically how that happens, and we understand what gene instructs each step. So, first of all, uh, sensorial-type activity happens in three phases. You, the anticipation, you know it's coming, you smell the tasty pizza. These are the steps of dopamine. These are the steps of dopamine and most other sort of feelings, right? Anticipation of the feeling, you know it's yep. about to happen, as long or as short as it takes. Then it happens... You're in the moment, and then you have to clear it. You have to come back to normal. So that's
0: clear the neurochemistry, yeah, the actual right? dopamine from the system.
1: Yes. So the way I anticipate and bind experience, my ability to bind my sensors, the actual receptors, mm. are very sparse. So there's a gene called DRD2, which determines the density of those receptors, and
0: I'm slim to none. Okay, I want to walk people through this. This sure. is important. It's the same with insulin and insulin receptors. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So you have a cell. Yeah. And I, I'm going to describe it what I think is true, but jump in if, if I'm inaccurate. So you have a cell on the outside of the cell are receptors. Basically, I imagine them as like little grabbing hands or locks. And you've got dopamine floating around as a thing to be grabbed or keys, have whatever uh, analogy you prefer. And they, if you have a lot of receptors, there's a lot of grabbing hands. Boom. They grab the dopamine. There's a lot of locks for that key to unlock. If you have very few receptors, which it sounds like you do, even if there was a lot of dopamine present in the system, there's just not a lot of things trying to grab the dopamine. Yep. And so you could take your blood and be like, word, you've got all the dopamine. Dopamine's not your problem, bro. Exactly, yeah. But in reality, dopamine just not receptors not is the problem. But yep. the third part, so presence of dopamine, ability to bind dopamine or any chemical, and then clearing it out of the system How long once it you lasts? have it. Okay, so those last? are the three yeah. important And now
1: parts. I have the minimal ability to bind. So when I f- experience or feel, it's way down here, right? The MAO is another gene that breaks it down, and I have the fastest possible MAO. Mm. COMPT uh, produces a protein that helps now clear that broken-up metabolite. And I have the fastest possible COMPT. So when, the way I experience the world is pleasure and reward are way down here, and it lasts that long. It's done before it started. So I have three potential outcomes. And this is exactly why I said the reason why they don't taking the pill is that the prescription is misaligned to their thinking. For me, if I'm they're not doing... Their thinking or
0: their experience? Their,
1: perspe- their pers- uh, perception. The way they're perceiving what's happening, right? So the way I perceive, the world sucks. I'm depressed, right? I don't get to enjoy and I don't feel reward.
0: For real? Like For real. You, For- you feel that most days or you found a way to combat it? If
1: I don't go down the path of reward or pleasure. I could very e- very easily become addicted because when I do feel that pleasure hit from anything, could be good or bad, I need more and I need more and I'll structure my day around it and it becomes the core hub again of all these problems if I go down the pleasure path. Dopamine also powers reward. I might go down that path and then all of a sudden I become entrepreneurial and I take big risks and I do stupid things that nobody else will do like walking away from my startup company and building a genomics company which I have no business doing, right? So that's where... By the way, I've experienced all three. And why is that important? Because the outcome, here's your biological pathway, here's the genes that instructed. structure, I can predict your behavior and your possible outcomes. The context you're in will now determine the net result. If I'm in a context where there's no pleasure or reward, I'm going to be depressed. If I'm in a context where I'm seeking pleasure, I'm going to get addicted. If I am struggling and I need to fight what we call warrior genetics, which is what I'm made up of, I can get, I can get deeper into that, I will strive and I will thrive and I will accomplish great things. Right, because of my need for more reward. Whatever I did yesterday isn't good enough today. That's, That's true for depression, addiction, ADHD, all these things that we've labeled as problems. And why are they so hard to measure and treat? Because they're very different for different people. So if you have the same pathway like myself, the opposite, picture the flip opposite. The maximum binding of dopamine and a very slow clearance. That person has such an easy time experience pleasuring award that they become call it flaky.
0: They're just not interested. They're not motivated because everything's already has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Be good enough. Walk out of a meeting with 10 action items. Yeah, great. They don't even start eight of them because they already feel this ends of reward just by talking about it. But the two that they really enjoy because the clearance takes them long, they end up binging. Right? The thing that gives them that elevated sense, they get stuck in it. And they binge. So these are the people that are like subject matter experts. Me, I want every opportunity. I can't say no. Right? And I want to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do it amazing. They're like, all this sucks. No, I don't care about your Netflix TV show. But the one that I like, I'm watching six episodes. Right? So the same pathway creating two very different results. And we can talk about all the different pathways, and it's the same for all of them.
0: It's really interesting, but the if I had to guess, and this is absolutely a guess, I have a tremendous ability to feel the dopamine, so I get excited, man, mm-hmm. I am very easy to excite, yeah, but I have a feeling that my dopamine clears fast, yeah so I'm always on to the next, yeah, and I have said, and, and I mean this without i 'm not trying to be funny, my need for uh, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing borders on pathological yeah and I'll so be very curious to see how that manifests. So we, in
1: you're probably right, and I'll tell you that part of the work that I've personally done, again, I'm not a clinician, so I don't treat patients, but I've interviewed hundreds of people about their mood and behavior, their brain, very purposely because, first of all, I love it. Second, because I came in with a different perspective that wasn't the genetic norm, right? So I, I interviewed, I would say, over 100 millionaires, right? And maybe a couple, well... I would say about 7 to 12 billionaires, right, to understand how they think. And it just happened to be As that we were
0: part of...
1: Part of our research to understand mood and behavior. Why did they do what they did, right? I also, I also interviewed nurses and firefighters to understand why are they so reliable and dependent in these rocks that we can lean on, right, to understand their, neuro, their neural behavior. And what I learned is somebody like yourself, who's mission-driven, right, but is able to build is exactly what you're describing, very easy to feel, but it doesn't last long enough. Which is why you need it. And you need it and you need it. But when you do it right, you're in it. You have enough of the pleasure. It's mm-hmm. not the pathological thing that you're hanging on to, that little rope, is the ability to maintain it. The, what I do is I take a little bit too much risk. So I'm either going to build a billion dollar company or crash and burn. Right? What's happening day to day isn't good enough. So and this is what we learned and this was consistent. When I... When I interviewed a hedge fund manager, exactly like you, uh, except they also had a very strong ability to say no. Right? Their, their job was to not lose, more important than to make. Mm. Right? The average for a hedge fund manager is 50-50 anyway. It's like tossing a, t- tossing a coin, right? So it's the, how do I not lose as opposed to how do I make? So they're very risk adverse. The guy that hired the hedge fund manager, the billionaire that owns the company, does not think that way. But he knows he needs these people around him to not lose and not screw up. And we learned that people kind of fall in place when they're what thriving. What does
0: a risk-averse guy's dopamine profile look like?
1: So it's, it's, it's very similar to what you're describing where the ability to feel it is high. Mm. Uh, but they don't... They clear it a little quicker so they can move on and make other... And multitask, multi-prioritize. The, the key thing that they do differently, however... Is that their ability to de- um, deal with uh, what we call brain drive neurotropic factor (BDNF)? So BDNF de- determines neuroplasticity, the ability to develop neural pathways. They don't do that well, hmm. right? So they're not good at wearing multiple hats. They're not good at looking. At- they they are hyper focused and subject matter experts. They do this thing with tunnel vision, right? They also their serotonin pathways are off. And when we talk about serotonin, we usually look at it as depression and mood. Uh, But when you look at it more functionally, this is what we learned by actually sitting in front of people and interviewing them. By the way, we interviewed 7,000 people. So it's the largest clinical uh, in-person genomic study in the world. And this is the gap between here's genetics, 80% chance of Alzheimer's versus how did I not get it? We learned that by actually meeting people. So in that, we learned that these people, once again, their serotonin pathway is off. The actual receptor was a little short and they're dysregulated for their ability to deal with mood. But serotonin has a key uh, attribute that people don't use it for, which is prioritizing stimulus. What does that mean? We're sitting here, we're focused, and we're talking. Some people can't do that. They're noticing the camera, they're noticing the lights, there's a flicker, there's a sound, there's a smell, there's a whatever, right? These people have that problem, meaning that every little detail and nuance bothers them. So in their behavior, they might seem irritable they might seem easy to frustrate, easy to distract also, but when they're reviewing things, every little T and I that needs to be crossed and dotted, they see. And when they come back to the table to speak to whoever, they come back with this deep, highly analytical report that nobody else could actually do. right? And, but it causes other problems. They can't sleep at night. Why can't they sleep at night? Because in your second half of your sleep cycle, first half, good, deep sleep... Typically, these people don't have a problem with that. In the second half, at some point, your body is supposed to wake up. It knows that I'm going to be awake at some point. Just like melatonin puts you to sleep, serotonin wakes you up. So you make it in your sleep, sunlight comes through the window, pierces through your eyelid, and you're supposed to start binding serotonin and be awake. So that's stimulation. Because they can prioritize stimulus, they don't know if the temperature off or the weird noise or the you know, hubby's pulling on the blanket, all of that sensorial problem triggers the serotonin binding, serotonin binding, serotonin binding, because their body doesn't know what to focus on. And then they can't sleep in the second half of their night. Right? So this functional you know, approach to their specific problem as opposed to take a pill, which once again may not actually solve their problem. Right? So we learned all of this stuff by sitting in front of people, interviewing them, and just continues to blow my mind every day. Are we slaves to our genetics? So no, not at all. And this is, this is the misconception that your genes are your destiny right? They are your destiny if you don't understand them and you're doing everything wrong, right? And for the most part, we aren't designed for our current reality. That is true for most people.
0: What does that mean? Give me a quick thumbnail sketch of current reality.
1: Current reality is you go to work and there's chemicals that painted the wall. There's chemicals that cleaned your carpet. You're working on a desk that was just cleaned by the cleaning guy. You received mail and you're touching a package with pollution all over it, right? Are you designed to cope with all that? You're going for a quick bite at lunch and something that was wrapped in plastic, you're ingesting microplastics, are you designed for that? You didn't sleep enough and you're stressed for 8 hours straight and producing cortisol, is that what your ancestors did? Right? You're not outside getting vitamin D, which by the way, of the 30,000 some odd genes in your body, 10% of that, 10% of your genes require vitamin D to function. Yeah, so 10% of your human biochemistry is dependent on this one micronutrient, right? And you're indoors for 10 hours, 12 hours, and then you go home and you're indoors again, right? So we're not doing what we're designed for, not at our fault. We don't know. What we know, I can do whatever I want, and when I break myself, the doctor will fix me. That's what we know, Mm. right? We don't ask or don't even believe that it's possible to not get there, to not be sick in the first place.
0: Quick derail on the vitamin D. Sure. So I I get vitamin D as a matter of religion Yeah, because I read something, how true this is I'm not entirely sure, but it sounds like where you're going that this will be pretty accurate, that if you get skin cancer, you are more likely to survive skin cancer if you get a sunburn than you are if you get no sun. I'm right. say that again. Yeah. If you get skin cancer, you're more likely to survive if you get a sunburn than if you don't get any more sun. That's insane. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, what? So that's when I was like, all right, I got to get sun.
1: I believe that vitamin D has been rebranded vitamin D. It's actually a hormone. Mm-hmm. I believe it's been rebranded because if everybody had enough, there would be a much lesser expenditure in healthcare.
0: Right? So why call it vitamin D? Because they want people to supplement. You're, ta- you're taking away its value by what you named it. I see. It's you're a hormone. You're cheapening it. By it's, a, calling it's truly
1: it. a hormone. Got it. It's like calling testosterone vitamin T and putting it on the shelf, <laughs> right? But understanding how important testosterone is, that's what vitamin D is. It's truly a hormone. That's why so much is dependent, and it's not just. It's, and it's not a direct correlate of vitamin D prevents or stops cancer. If ten percent of your biochemistry is dependent on this thing, and you don't have it everything's out of whack. Why do you feel off in the winter? You know, why do women get uh, osteoporosis problems and some don't? Uh, wh- what are all these things that are dependent on this one, again, hub, going back to that central theme of find the hub, the thing that's broken in your biochemistry, fuel that properly and all the spokes go away, right?
0: Yeah, man. So vitamin D, I think is incredibly important, but I have a Conflicted relationship with the sun's potential effects on aging and wrinkles, and is it just, yep, sorry, the sun, you need it, but the sun is going to age your skin? For sure. So, then understanding how you do that, right? We don't all age the
1: same way, we don't all have the same negative outcome from Mm. too much sun. Did your ancestors come from an equatorial climate? No. Then you probably aren't meant to be in the sun all day. And if we look at your vitamin D profile, I can predict, and we'll look at it when we get your genome back. Vitamin D is the only micronutrient that has a multi-step metabolism process. Vitamin C, vitamin A, there's one gene that takes it, puts it in your blood. That's it. Simple. Because our ancestors did different things and had different exposure, you know, your ancestry might be a little bit northern, a little less sunlight, more clouds, right? Yeah. And so what they probably did had a really good ability to step one, Draw D2 from the sun and convert it into D3. That's step one. That's one gene. Then, once it's in the blood, you need to transport it to the cell where it's actually used. That's a second gene. Then, once it's at the cell, you need to bind it. Like you said, those guys that are catching the stuff and mm. connecting to the cell. That's another gene. So, this pathway you'll find that there's a high variability between people who are more equatorial that don't do this process so efficiently. Right? And then people that Which are Which means they need more? They sun. need more. Or yeah, they need multi- they may need multiple doses. That's where they may get it wrong. Which what is do you mean, multiple doses? Meaning that, okay, I do a good job of bringing it into the system, but I don't transfer it to the cell, and I don't bind it. That
0: means if I take my couple thousand IU in the morning, I've only used 500 of it. Aren't you super suspect, though, of supplementing the sun? Like, I don't, I'm ignorant, nobody should listen to me, but here's my big concern, that... There's way more going on when sun hits your skin than we think, and if you're just trying to supplement the isolated D3, there's almost certainly things you're not doing. For instance, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the sun penetrates far enough to get into the bone. Mm -hmm. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. That sun exposure, again, what did your ancestors do? They got out and they started working in the morning, right? They were outside working. So taking a vitamin B supplement is an acute band-aid response to living in New York inside in the winter. You're, walking outdoors is not going to help you,
0: mm. right? Um, because you're not producing vitamin D? You're not getting enough sun. It's, it's like too low or something? It's,
1: it's, it's just not enough, mm. right? In the winter, there just isn't enough in certain areas. So you have to supplement. That's what supplement means. Add more, right? So, but if you are in Phoenix or here in LA, you know, you're good, you probably don't need as much if you go outside that's if the you go thing outside. you can't just
0: live in LA I lived in LA for a long time but I was afraid of the sun so I never went out yeah. I'm sure I was wildly yep and there, there's so much deficient. that's triggered I suppose I should finish that sentence. yeah
1: <laughs> and it's not just um, so it's also your sleep right your eyes seeing sunlight in the morning triggers the start of your clock how many people can't sleep at night because they don't start their day properly The circadian rhythm, there's genes that direct that. There's literally a gene called clock that regulates your circadian. There's a gene
0: called clock?
1: Yeah, and it literally regulates your clock, your internal clock. Cleverly named. Yeah. (laughs) So if you have the bad version of it, and you're not starting your day the right way, your body can't cope with whatever you're doing, right? You're on Netflix till midnight, blue light we talk about. There's some people that say, well, my laptop doesn't bother me. I can be on my phone until I knock out, and I have no problem. Some people need to shut it off two hours before. Um, so, starting your day the way your ancestors started, which is out in the sun, your eyes getting that dose of sun, like actual sunlight, will turn your circadian rhythm clock on, so that your body knows what time to sleep right? It's simple things like that.
0: Yeah. Going back to your idea of ancestral stuff and not thinking about your grandparents, because we're already now, that's what, a hundred years ago versus the 200,000. I've heard you say 200,000 and 250,000 that we've basically been modern humans.
1: Yeah. That's the range, right? Uh, And different people will say different things, Mm. but something happened around that time where we became who we are. So our brain changed Right? We, we developed emotion, we had developed complicated speaking skills, uh, our bodies changed, and we basically, wh- whatever you believe about where we came from, uh, whether it's the religious belief or the scientific belief, we became who we are. Yeah. Right. Humans then existed. Uh, we did not change, and we still haven't changed. So if you look at the genome of that 200 to 250,000-year-old person, it's exactly the same as it is today. If you are a Ferrari, Right, and, you're, and you're designed to be a Ferrari, and you race a track for 200,000 years, and all of a sudden, every Ferrari is going off-road. They're all going to break, all of them, because they were not designed for that. And that's what we're doing to ourselves. We're all that fish in the fishbowl, where industrialization, you know, processing, uh, and it's, it's so much more worse for women. You wonder why there's the prevalence of... Why is it that you know, 80% of the Alzheimer's cases are in women? of the research dollars are spent on men. It's more than that, actually. But the cases are on women. Because they also have to deal with the cofactor of estrogen toxicity, which we don't as much. Some of us do, but most of us don't. Which is another internal source of inflammation. And these same chemicals that I'm talking about that cause inflammation also mimic hormones as they enter your body. So imagine you're a woman that, in your hormone uh, cascade... Uh, We can determine progesterone converts to testosterone, converts to estrogen. And there's nuances in how you do that. Men and women do the same thing. Men do it every day. Women do it once a month. Same cycle, right? So some women, progesterone to testosterone to estrogen, filling that estrogen bucket really, really heavy, right? What do you then do with that estrogen? You convert it into a metabolite before you get rid of it. It could be toxic. Two hydroxys, is a called, great, that's what you want. Four and 16 hydroxy, highly, highly toxic, and a lot of women do that. Even then, it doesn't mean you're sick. Now add to that that you're, again, pesticides in the grass, cleaning chemicals, something as simple as a, a printed grocery receipt, you know, the laser-printed ones, mm-hmm.
0: Teflon-coated frying pan. Ooh, stop, you got to tell me more. Yeah. So I eat off of Teflon all day, every yeah. day. Yeah, so... Disruptor okay yeah crazy that, hormone disruptor what how do i scramble my eggs
1: so for you it's not again personalization for you it's not that big of a deal because you're having you the andro- hope
0: yeah you're on the inside i'm only 27 years old yeah. no, i'm kidding <laughs> but like uh for real so yeah. let's assume that i shouldn't be eating teflon yeah what how do i how do you scramble your eggs? what did ancestor? your ancestors did. I cast, I iron. cast iron cast iron Cast iron. that's what you that should
1: stick yeah to that pan you gotta so do the work hard you gotta do the work, man. You gotta put butter
0: on there. Make sure it doesn't stick. Interesting cast yeah. iron, huh? Yeah, not ceramic.
1: Uh, a ceramic, I haven't personally found a problem. Right? I would think. I don't think there is not a problem. Not a hormone disruptor, as no. far as you know. No, no, no. But Teflon, yes. Right? Chemicals in general. Chem- most chemicals in general, hormone disruptors. What we call endocrine disruptors. Plastic
0: water bottles. Horrible. Really? Horrible. Yeah. Because yeah. You're taking everything away. Yeah,
1: especially in a city like LA, where you're. It's sitting in the heat and the, the plastic is seeping into the water even more exponentially,
0: right? So If I keep them cold or no, <laughs> even then it's bad. Even
1: then, but the heat makes it much worse, right? So all we're saying is that women are worse off. And you ask all these questions, 66% of women will die on their first cardiovascular event mm. with zero symptoms or warning signs. They don't even know they have a cardiovascular disease. Why? because of the cofactor of estrogen toxicity. They're hit with this cholesterol problem, whatever
0: other problem, but they're also dealing with this other inflammatory Women typically live longer. How is estrogen toxic? Or is there a natural way, like, hey, in the 250,000-year time horizon, estrogen was fine, but in a modern scenario, because of X, Y, Z, it's problematic. So the women that we're saying
1: live longer are not of this generation, right? Ouch. You're thinking about grandma. Ouch. Right? You're thinking about grandma pre-everything is laced in chemicals. That's a different reality, Whoa. right? Women of today, why is it that it's either crazy menopause, infertility, yeah, uh, you know?
0: What the fuck? Why? I'm not, I'm not selling my wife out. She's talked about this publicly, but she, like, hasn't had a period in a long time. Now, she's way too lean. Yeah. So I'll just tell you that's part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, but what the fuck? That's what's happening.
1: The hormone, 85% of North American women. How many? 85% of North American women uh-huh. will take a birth control pill for five yeah. to fifteen years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's just fueling that estrogen fire. And then once you're off the birth control pill and you get close to menopause, you go it's on
0: hormone therapy. The estrogen fire. Yeah. Okay, so women are taking way too much estrogen. It's combined with environmental toxins, which we will include food. Fill the in bucket that. even more. Yep. now we've got a problem it's getting stored in their fatty tissue which means hips and breasts is this the theory on why women get breast cancer one of the reasons this is a functional reason so there's there's
1: actual genetic conditions meaning there's a gene that's turned on or off which equals a problem
0: okay so right? we're back to broca braca
1: yeah BRCA. so braca so the belief is if you ask a woman about BRCA, even if you ask a doctor about BRCA they will tell you breast cancer risk. Mm. BRCA does not cause breast cancer. It actually protects you from it. But if you have why the bad have version...
0: A, okay, I was yeah. going to say, why does that have such a bad reputation?
1: Yeah, so that, the reason is because some people don't have the good version of it, right? Mm-hmm. That somebody has the bad version of BRCA. Mm-hmm. BRCA is a tumor suppressing gene. So if you have breast cancer, it's supposed to fix it. Got it. If your repair tool is broken, because your genetic code is broken,
0: you don't fix it. So it's a BRCA variant that people are freaked var- out yes. by.
1: So what that means is not risk of cancer, inability to recover, Got inability it. to fight it. Yep, right. Yep. But so many more women are getting breast cancer. Right? Why? It wasn't that common. You know, you know how they used to cure breast cancer in England? Mm-hmm. Eat blueberries until you turn blue. I'm talking about like That's great-grandmother's good. generation. And it worked. Why? Because of the gene expression modulators that are in the blueberry. Will you actually turn blue? Well, that's a bit of an exaggeration. I was going to say, because I know with
0: carrots, like you will yeah. start to get skin-colored uh, Yeah, if you're eating that
1: much of it, it's going to change. But anyway, that was the solution, and it worked because the, the hormone dominance, hormone estrogen detox, the fuel of the fire wasn't to the degree that it is today. So let's get back to that. So now... BRCA, you have the good or bad version. You either do a good job of fighting cancer and you don't. But why did you get cancer to begin with? Mm. That same woman that we just described that has a heavy load of estrogen toxicity, which is a lot of women, who then, step two of three, converts it into a toxic metabolite. One of three options. Two of the options are toxic. One isn't. Most women are in these toxic buckets that we've seen, right? Step three of three is you now need to get rid of it. So you produce this toxin, your ox- oxidative pathway is the same thing we talked about, the the marathon runner that causes the cardiovascular d- problems, right? Uh, the same, uh, then the glutathione pathway, the guy that was golfing that, you know, clears the toxin. The same pathways also clear this stuff, right? So now all of a sudden if you don't do that job well, I'm estrogen dominant, estrogen toxic, and I don't get rid of it. I now have a toxic environment. But why did women of last two, three, four generations not have the propensity of breast cancer as they do today. Because now you're also dealing with the hormone disruptors, the 10 years of birth, birth control pill, the five years of BHRT, hormone replacement therapy, trying to look young and beautiful, the Teflon coated frying pan, right? The pesticides in my grass, the plastics and all these other things that are in my food, that are on my table, that are in my makeup, the phthalates and all this stuff, and everything that is going in through your lungs, stomach, and skin, and entering your bloodstream. That's the woman who has fueled the fire to such a degree that, like you said, the body is wondering, what do I do with all this stuff? When you're menopausal, you don't have a cycle anymore. That, that cleanse, that monthly cleanse, why do women get rid of this material every month? The miracle of the human body. When you say
0: get rid of this material, they shed the uterine lining. Is that what we're talking about?
1: Estrogen toxicity is that, that, that byproduct of estrogen is, is 4 and 16 hydroxyestrogen is what they're called. That's that toxic metabolite. You're getting rid of it every month. Hmm. Right? If you don't have a menstrual cycle anymore because you're menopausal, you're not getting rid of it. And your body's trying to protect your organs and your vasculature from this inflammatory insult. So like you said, it goes and stores it in fat. And women have fat in the breasts, and they have all these glands meant to deliver milk that were not designed structurally to deal with that level of toxin, and they get inflamed, and the cells become damaged, and then you get cancer. Hmm. That's one answer. There's many ways you get there, but that's one, right? If you know, if I if I test a five-year-old girl and I tell you this, you can absolutely then prevent the cancer because she Hmm. knows what choices to make,
0: right? If you don't take the pill. Stay out of the toxic soup. Make sure you keep your period. What else? It's
1: it's a it's a it's a couple of things you can do. It's one. Here's the biological function I don't do well, mm-hmm. so I need to take the right supplements or eat the right foods to support that genetic expression. Right? We've mapped all that out. That's that's it's easy, easy to prescribe now. It was a gray area before, but it's easy now. Second thing is don't do the things that you're not meant to do. So
0: what are the if the prescription is easy? Eat a lot of blueberries, apparently. <laughs> what else? So, by the way, eat a cup of blueberries a day, uh-huh. and
1: your biological age will drop about a decade in a year.
0: Uh, then I'm a, an infant. Yeah. I eat the most blueberries. Yeah, the
1: antioxidant, if you're eating proper blueberries, right? The, like small, proper. organic, Ooh, clean. Ooh, small. Yeah. Mine are often very large. So food, that's, that's one telltale sign, by the way. Mm-hmm. Food is, should be small.
0: And bitter, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: and yeah, it doesn't taste, and the textures are up, and right, everything is, so everything has been enlarged for, and what ends up happening, a potato, which used to look like smaller than a golf ball, which now looks like this, is sugar, right? It used to be nutrient-dense. You used to be able to get your protein fill from a potato, but you can't find those potatoes anymore. Really?
0: Yeah. I knew we'd been changing fruit for sure. I didn't know we had that kind of manipulation on potatoes. Yeah, just just uh, last week, they passed some law in Mexico to get rid of
1: all the GMO corn and bring back all the because they realized how this sick is gonna it's going to get interesting, people. man. This is yeah. going to get
0: interesting because here here is the reality: the GMO has allowed us to feed a lot more people. And I know there are some cynical people out there that are yeah. more than happy to say, oh, have less kids, not yeah. realizing what pandemonium that will introduce to the world. Population collapse. You want to see what that does to the economy? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And I know, like, dude, it, it is super cynical when people are like, okay, it'll be rough for a minute. No, it's hundreds of millions of people dying either from starvation or uh, war caused by famine. It's, it's not a good look.
1: So for the majority of us, that answer of there now isn't enough food, uh, if it isn't geoma en masse, it's because the food that we eat is so lacking nutrients that we're eating more. If you actually had nutrient-dense food, right? If you had the food the way it used to be, you don't need to eat that much. Mm -hmm. It delivers you exactly the micronutrients and all the macronutrients that you need in this, in a handful. If you look at a proper egg with a deep orange yolk, Right? like a proper egg from a f- bird that was pasture grazed. It's very different in the, the, the value that you get from that versus three GMO pale yellow yolk eggs. Mm. It's not the same thing, right? So a, a chicken in the 1950s used to be one kilo. In the 70s, and I'm Canadian, so I'm using kilos. In the 70s, they were like two, and now they're four. That's a proper normal chicken. Mm. They have quadrupled in size, Imagine if, what is the average human, like 170, 180 pounds? What if the average was now 800 pounds? We're
0: getting yeah. close. Yeah. I mean, this is, so you said something earlier that made me think about, so the genome doesn't change rapidly. Evolution happens slowly. And from a religious perspective, I'm perfectly happy to say God gave us evolution, whatever. But evolution is happening I can't remember if I heard this from you or somebody else, but there are elephants now being born without tusks yeah. because they're not being poached. Right. Elephants without tusks stay alive longer, have more children, which is now why, because of poachers, that yeah. we're starting to see more and more being born without tusks. Absolutely fascinating. And it begs the question, will we get people that are good at dealing with environmental toxins and obesity? Like, are we going to get good yeah. at being fat? Like it's so that's funny because
1: the, the GSTM1 gene, which is protective of the gut, when we look at our data, protective in what way? Uh, kind of like your first line of defense to bind and prevent toxins from causing problems entering the bloodstream and also pre- protecting so people the,
0: with a better epithelial lining.
1: Uh, no, the, the inner gut wall. So, it, 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 the toxins that come along with your food are extracted and removed. Got it. Right? Which then allows the lining to be healthier, which prevents leaky gut and gut dysbiosis. You'll have a healthier gut, right? So that gene, we found in our research that 49% of people don't even have it, right? 46% of people have 50% of the instruction. So they're minus 50% capacity. Only a tiny fraction, less than 10%, actually have both copies from mom and dad. So that's an example of something that we didn't need Right? We didn't need because food wasn't a threat. Mm. Now that it is, what's happening is we're getting both copies, but we, the body isn't designed to be that hyperactive in terms of gut detox, so it's now causing autoimmune conditions. For the people that have both copies, that are doing an excellent job, like you said, evolving into our current reality, now have autoimmune conditions because they're overdoing the detox. Like, so that threat that comes into the stomach... you're now fighting yourself. Just like we talked about the cytokine storm with COVID, right? It's so powerful that you trigger an autoimmune response and you end up fighting yourself. So the people that are now evolving into that, there's some blessing in how we were designed and how perfect we are and how perfect food used to be versus what now we're evolving into to cope with now what food is, what the environment is. And that's imbalanced. The thing that we need to be able to cope is making us sick.
0: You brought COVID up again. Yeah. You said, "God forbid, you get something like COVID." I'm trying to think of COVID now as like it's a cold. Yeah. But God forbid. So, uh, is this attack on attack on the tissues? Like, what is the big concern? Literally, my wife just had COVID. Yeah. So we um, dealing with here
1: March 2020. By May 2020, we had started getting out to the world about why there was zero symptoms, symptomatic. And in the hospital, and it wasn't COVID that was doing those things. COVID is the catalyst or the trigger that is at that time, not anymore. Right? The 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 virus has changed a lot, but at that time, was caused the level of inflammation that if you were in respiratory poor health, metabolic poor health, or cardiovascular poor health, pushed you over the edge. Just right. It was kind of like we can understand your metabolic health. By the way, only five percent of Americans are metabolically healthy. What? Yes. That's data that the CDC is agreeing to that was published about a month ago. That is so it's disgusting, terrifying. 5% people are actually walking around with the ability to actually be healthy. Wow.
0: Yeah. Do you know how they how do they judge that? What is it? The they're metabolic taking, flexibility, uh, insulin They're taking test, data on
1: yeah, they insulin response and they're taking response. So they they're taking all this so what we do have now which we didn't have before is all this aggregated data from all these emrs and systems that are being put together mm-hmm. and so they now they have mass population data and the cdc itself is saying which you wouldn't expect them to say right. only five percent. so it's probably two percent if they're saying five percent. Right. Say, yeah. <laughs> so going back to this if you were metabolically unhealthy mm-hmm. if you were why did so many more americans die of covid than other nations right it's not yeah. just got sick but died because cardiovascular health was poor respiratory health was poor and metabolic health was poor. You were already positioned for when the threat came, you were already at the tipping point. Something had to push you over the edge. And this catalyst was powerful in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So what we understood is we, we then, at that time, put on a program to our own, on, our own customer base where we we looked at the people who had poor cardiovascular genetics and poor respiratory genetics and poor metabolic genetics, genetics and we custom built cocktails for them. We have a compounding pharmacy where we actually make formulas that are custom, and we learn, and we you know we then teach other people. And we put two hundred people. You said you weren't a supplement guy. In in our company, I'm not the guy. One of our co-founders you is. You have a supplement. We have a supplement guy. not the supplement I'm not got the guy. It, yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, uh, but it's a big part of what we do: understanding what genes augment genetic expression. I'm sorry, what ingredients? Right. Are so
0: we did that. 200 people. Is that really a thing? Yeah. Like I'm so, I consider myself ignorant to supplements and I'm very paranoid about isolating things and then in taking them because it always seems like a good idea. And I'm definitely, if a little is good, a lot must be better kind of guy. Yeah. But I know that that's a risky thing to do with your body. What are, give me some top line supplements that are like, oh yeah, yeah, those are so, cool. Precision is important. Just like you said, what we learned
1: is the same ingredient that can be beneficial can be problematic in a different dose. Mm -hmm. So the same DIM and curcumin that I mentioned earlier for women that they commonly take, this one woman will have an amazing outcome, another one will get migraines. Because her genetic ability to use it is different.
0: So you guys are doing the supplementation, obviously, based on the genetic breakdown.
1: Yeah, so we, we, we build, and we're not supplementing the problem. That's broken in, in, in supplements. You don't say, I feel like this, so I need this supplement. Go back to the hub. right? What, what central hub is failing and solve that problem? If so you're only- we
0: know there are problems like rickets mm-hmm. that are a deficiency problem. Mm-hmm. What percentage do you think is you're encountering something that you need to cut out, and what percentage is you're missing something that you need? So vitamin D would be a, you're missing something that you need, uh, and then most of the other things I can think of are all you're encountering something that you shouldn't. But if you had, and I know this is a total swag, but just so I get your rough breakdown. So
1: that exact example, part of our science team, there was a gentleman from the Caribbean, moved to Toronto. Mm. He got scoliosis. Vitamin D problems,
0: I'll just tell you right now. Yeah,
1: scoliosis. One leg was about an inch and a half shorter than the other one. Oh. And he walked with a limp, which did not happen to him earlier Mm. because you know, up until that whatever age... He had the dose he needed and the lifestyle he needed to absorb it because he was outside. And all of a sudden he moved to Toronto where there was winter and there was no, and he got scoliosis. So we didn't treat the scoliosis. We said, you need to go outside in the morning and you need to take this dose of vitamin D and you need to spread it because you don't transport it and bind it enough. It went away. Scoliosis? Yeah. It actually went away. He had he had wow. been doing a bunch of treatment. He went so this is where I'm saying that if you try and mask the symptom, mm. you haven't got rid of the the fuel of that fire that's causing the symptom. Chronic disease, if you think about sushi in the bowl, right? Chronic disease doesn't start the day she entered the bowl. You need that exposure for some time, and then the inflammation or the cellular degradation or the oxidation or detoxification, one of these things is failing, which presents, it takes you to a level where all of a sudden it expresses where you're sick. Some, it depends where you're failing and then what disease you get. In his case, it was scoliosis. We have an NHL hockey player. Uh, we deal with a lot of NHL players because we're in Toronto, in of hockey, tra- hockey training, right? So there was a young gentleman who was meant to be a star player and in his rookie season failed and kept getting fractures, right? And he also couldn't recover from training like his peers and he also couldn't recover from the partying when they would go drinking and doing whatever they did he would need to rest. And that was affecting his mood and it was also affecting his game. So what did we find? This guy was half Mexican. So his ancestry, 50% of his ancestry spent time in the sun. He also grew up in the southern, I think in Arizona, right? So now all of a sudden you have a guy that you pick out of Arizona, drop him into Toronto, training indoors on an ice rink.
0: That's what he does. And you wonder why all of a sudden The Range Rover Sport provides an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and redefines sporting luxury for the power, agility, and performance you demand in every area of your life. Explore the Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. He started getting fractures
1: because he has a genetic pathway to, to not use the vitamin D he's getting because his ancestors were overexposed. They were outdoors all the time. There was sun all the time. So when you have that much, vitamin D is toxic. It's, it's one of the few, micro, it's actually probably the only micronutrient which you have too much, it's actually harmful. And your body will store in, in fat and try and protect you. So to mitigate that, the gene pathway to transport it was slowed down. The gene pathway to bind it was slowed down. Now you take him out of that context and drop him into a different context which he's not aligned for and he starts getting fractures
0: so he's already got a lot less sun coming in and he's had an adaptation historically to make sure that he slows the processing of that to make sure that he doesn't take in too much so you've got a quadruple whammy by the time you're up in toronto wow and now
1: it starts affecting his mood which affected his game because vitamin d you know your, your neural pathways are also driven by it right so you're if you don't have enough, you wonder why so many people in the winter just feel off. I have the winter blues, right? And suicide levels at Christmas time. Yes, there's some social factor there, but it's also this. That's when you have the least vitamin D in your system, Yeah. right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, this is crazy. So I'm going to take my swag at what I think is deficiency versus what I think is uh, you're encountering something that you shouldn't. I'm gonna go with a nice 80-20 rule. Mm -hmm. 80% you're encountering things you shouldn't. Your diet, environmental toxins, danger, danger, Will Robinson. And then 20% is you probably should be getting micronutrients from vegetables, though vegetables, at least in my sort of semi-educated <laughs> way, like you have to be a little bit thoughtful about what you're taking in because the plants have their own defense mechanisms. Yes. Uh, and then I've just seen it just absolutely slap my wife around. Yeah. Like if if she's having a flare-up, a, a digestive flare-up, then it retreat to meat. If right. she retreats back to beef or lamb, she's good. It's never like, oh, go heavy on the spinach. And then it's yeah, like, yeah. we're going to exacerbate the problem. Yeah. So I'm super suspect of that. But also, I don't know, just long term, it feels like you probably need some micronutrients from that. Even if it's just getting some dirt from the soil. Um but yeah, what do you think Eighty twenty? am I crazy? it is so
1: the funny thing is uh, just this morning, I was on this call with this telemedicine company who wants to incorporate a sleep program into what they do, mm. and our deck literally says eighty twenty really yeah, it, it's right in there, mm. right, and so to take your wife as an example, um there's a gene called fat two that determines fuck two enough. FUT. fut, f-u-t. There yeah. we go. I was like, I heard it again. Yeah, yeah but there Got is a it. gene called MTHFR, which everyone refers to as mother something, yeah. right? But uh, and that's a methylation gene. So, anyways, FUT2. Uh Most people that we have seen cannot be vegans.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: the enzymes required to rely on, uh, you know, all the proteins that are like, you know, lentils, beans, legumes,
0: chickpeas, it's all that like stuff. So right the enzymes required are developed by one gene which most people have the bad version dude i see i'm i'm really interested in getting tested now because i look at somebody like rich roll and i'm like i promise you that man is a beautiful human being he's not lying yeah so he really feels awesome it's really served him well but every time i try it i'm like i don't feel good Yeah.
1: me too i had the same and there's more people in that bucket than the good bucket but the people for whom it's good it is incredible Mm. right it makes them feel amazing You said your wife likes uh, lamb, right? Again, the FUT2, by the way, is part of the methylation pathway, your anti-inflammatory response. There's another gene in the methylation pathway which determines what version of B12 you need. So the B12 that you get from beef is metabolized in your gut. Mm. And if your ancestors ate a lot of beef, you probably are designed to do that. Most of our ancestors didn't. Most of them ate lamb and sheep easier to herd, you know, there's a lot of convenience around it if you think about back way back when. Right. And so you have a different version of the gene where you actually metabolize B12 right in your mouth, under mm-hmm. your tongue. This is why grandma says, chew your food, she's right. You know, you, there's some micronutrients that you actually sublingually, under your tongue, mm-hmm. directly absorb into your bloodstream, right? And so even when you take a B12 supplement, uh, you have to take the version that your body actually metabolizes. Right. And now when your wife will eat lamb or, or sheep for a week or even goat, she's going to feel amazing. Her brain's going to be a little sharper. All these like, pains and aches might go away. Inflammation load goes down. She might sleep a little bit less. She'll better, deeper quality sleep because this one micronutrient is triggering all these anti-inflammatory
0: responses. Yeah.
1: Right? Take that away, all of a sudden she doesn't feel good. Mm. Somebody else may not have the problem. They eat beef every day and they feel amazing.
0: Yeah, so much debate about diet, like religious zealotry, anger, yeah. Yeah. and getting to the genetic component of like the the person that's really fighting for their way. It's yeah. like, yeah, it probably works for you, but the idea of one size fits all just yeah. doesn't add up.
1: That is the key with diet, is removing one size fits all. Mm. Trial and error. You're, you're hearing, you're inundated with, I listened to this podcast, I watched this YouTube video, It worked for that person Look how amazing they look I don't disagree It probably did work for that person But are you that person? Yeah Right? The same uh, By the way Brown guy Right? Insulin response is known as something that's caused by sugar Mm. Because all the research is done on you Western European white male Brown guy I also get an insulin response from saturated fat It's not in the literature anywhere Interesting Because my genetics are not like yours. Mm. And you wonder why so many South Asian people suffer from diabetes and cardiovascular disease no matter what they're doing, even if they go on a carnivore diet, because they're eating the thing that triggers insulin response, which it doesn't do for a Western European white male. Right? That genetic nuance, that one thing could be the reason why they got sick or lived an extra 10 years.
0: Mm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's endless, man. You can dive into anything. We can dive into. This stuff is so complex. That's the the catch, is. I'm grateful because we're obviously moving in the right direction. People are beginning to learn and understand, like, what's the role of genetics? What's the role of environment? What are things that are environmental toxins? How much has the food supply changed? Oh, you can't just spray glyphosate on everything? Like, (laughs) you know, antibiotics. Like, I remember when my wife first went through the big, dramatic, like, problem with her gut Mm. was probably about a year before that, I didn't even know what a microbiome was. Right. And so thinking about how new the microbiome is to science, most people, most doctors 20 years ago didn't even know what a microbiome Mm -hmm. was. So as we get more of this information, we begin to realize what we can do about it. Now, one thing I want to ask, as somebody who's focused on DNA, what's the idea behind junk DNA? Is it junk? Does it have purpose? (laughs) So
1: what we believe is that genetics isn't interpreting DNA properly. So all that stuff you hear, right? Define junk DNA for people that don't know. There's 30,000 genes, right? They're, we used to believe, by the way, up until a month ago that there was 22,000. Mm. The human genome was just fully sequenced a month ago.
0: I was so, going to say, I yeah. thought the number was like 20-something. Yeah, so it just got kicked up to 30. We now know more about our genome. And when people say that, there, there are 30,000 genes that do something. That do something, Because there's yeah. a whole lot more yeah. that appear to do nothing.
1: Yeah. Then all of a sudden you have stuff that is deleterious or there's stuff that is actually detrimental, like causes you problem. So if you ask different people about what junk DNA means, you'll get different responses, right? There's a scientific response of actual junk in your DNA, (laughs) right? Mm. Then there's there's people that are more functional in their thinking that will tell you it's the stuff that actually causes you harm, that maybe one day gene editing will... And I can tell you something that's going to blow your mind in terms of what's happening uh, at the government level uh, for genetic intervention... Might as well just tell you now while we're on the topic. There was a bill signed that said that we're going to develop a new bioeconomic industry, Mm -hmm. right? Biochemistry industry. Uh, No, so bioeconomic is I think what they called it, which says that now that we know everything about the genome, we are going to treat it as software. Meaning that if we can alter the genome, we can treat it as a software update. And this 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 is in writing by the U.S. government. This was passed... Uh, two, two weeks ago, a week ago,
0: that... Um, Are we talking like CRISPR-Cas9, go in, edit the genome?
1: This is like, imagine you have your Microsoft software uh-huh. and if you
0: don't update it, you can't use it anymore.
1: You need the update to be aligned with what's happening today. Uh, yeah. So this is beyond CRISPR. This is beyond... And I'm telling you, this was... I'll send you the article later. This was in writing, passed, bill signed, very quietly... Okay, I'm going to read you two paragraphs. September 12th, President Biden signed the executive order on advancing biotechnology and biomanufacturing innovation for sustainable, safe, and secure American bioeconomy. The bioeconomics I was talking about, a new industry that's being developed around human biology. This is what's actually in writing to be able to write circuitry for cells. And predictably program biology in the same way in which we write software and program computers. This is part of the bill, right? So to be able to write circuitry for cells
0: mm-hmm.
1: and predictably program biology, which means we're now telling the genome. F- are they uh,
0: allowing that in humans? Yes. This is, I mean, so with, the, with the right amount of regulation, like I love CRISPR. Yeah. But when I heard that in China the guy was editing the genome to supposedly make the girls more resistant to HIV, but, oh, sorry, does it also make them more intelligent? My bad. Yeah. Like, that was where I was like, oh, God, this turns into an arms race. It gets really scary. Yeah. And the, so now we have to do this. is really interesting. We need to research it more. I don't want to yeah. overreact. I sure. want to make sure that I go look at this. But um, just as a, a broad thing... So you have editing somebody's genome in a way that only affects them. And if they yeah. had sex and procreated, that it would not pass. the change, kind right. of like cosmetic surgery. But right. then you have germline editing, yeah. where if you procreate, then it passes on to your kids. And now it's a forever thing. Now it can sweep through the population and exist forever and ever. Now, this is where this gets really interesting. So given that I, I don't know enough about this, sure. I'm super intrigued that you brought it up. People have already done things like uh, make plants that glow in the dark. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, they've made cats that glow in the dark. I didn't even know that. I could be wrong about that. The yeah. plants I know 100%. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure about the cat fur thing. Yeah. Uh, because you can splice from bioluminescent yes. um, algae or bioluminescent um, plankton jellyfish whatever anything that has bioluminescence you can take that snippet of the genome and insert it using crispr cas9 for those that don't know it literally goes in this is how and you're going to stop me if i say anything that's incorrect (laughs) but this is how viruses work yeah they go in and they're like clip a a word and they just insert something new in that strand and so the little things that run along the dna and execute the code are like cool make a new piece of virus yeah and so yeah. it just replicates, replicates. So it overtakes the machinery of your own cells and gets them to create the thing. So it's like you have a, th- a bunch of gazillions of 3D printers inside. And what a virus does is hijack that and tell it to print this other thing. Right. And so you can go in using the CRISPR Cas9 technology, send it in, it will cut, make a cut where you want it, which yeah. is crazy remove that and either restitch it together without that thing or insert a new piece of code. And so you can insert bioluminescence, you can insert basically anything that you want. So there was something that, oh God, now I'm not sure if I'm talking things that they are hypothesizing that they should try or that they actually did, but that you can take, I I think this is real, I think they actually did this. They took goats and they edited their genes so that in the goat's milk, they made spider uh, webbing. And because it was thicker, that it, because spider's web has the tensile strength stronger than steel. Yeah. And so you could basically get this incredibly strong fiber in goat's milk. Right. And I was like, what is happening? So this gets weird so fast that, uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Technology inherently isn't good or bad, right? Advancements, but thinking are just makes it so. As the they think say. exactly right. So ooh, now, ooh. The, all the things we talked about. Imagine that golfer that has the bad endothelium health, mm-hmm. right? Bad quality hardware. If you can then go isolate and splice that, and all of a sudden give him the resiliency that the other people have that have the good quality hardware. Yep. You can eliminate cholesterolemia. Oh God! Right? But dude, are you freaked out by this? I don't know if I'm excited or terrified or yeah. a bit of both. I, so I am excited with the opportunity if, it's, if the intentions are correct.
0: Here's what freaks me out every time. Assume their intentions are great. Yeah. Now, of course, I'm setting aside like the incentives to create super soldiers and all that. For now, let's assume that their intentions are mwah, yeah. amazing. We are bad at second and third order consequences. Right. So when I was back at Quest, I remember the, the government was like, fat's bad for you. Mm-hmm. Now, things have started to change. And so when people are watching this, it will seem crazy that that was only 10 years ago. But 10 years ago, the government was like really going hard to pass legislation that was like, fat's bad. It needs to be like signaled on packaging. And if you have so much saturated fat, like it needs to be marked as like bad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I'm like, that's absolutely not true. And when you look at the food pyramid and you look at the My Plate recommendation, they are terrible. Mm-hmm. And people should not be following them. So even assuming that all of their recommendations were with a golden heart, and they were really trying to help people, they still were making horrendous choices mm-hmm. that have caused a decline in health that is absolutely terrifying to behold. So I am, I haven't thought through my position entirely, <laughs> but my immediate reaction is to be deeply unnerved. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting.
1: The the area where it's working in theory that avoids all of that mess is isolated uh not head to toe genome editing, but for example, you may have a rare liver condition.
0: Yep. Right? No, that's dope. Like fixing things that aren't germline. Right. Yes, please. Yeah. If somebody wants to glow, I've got no beef with that. <laughs> what I have a problem with is when you when you edit the germline. Yeah, you've truly altered humanity. That's where get freaked yeah. out, yeah. Yeah, because
1: that's permanent, right? And you don't that's know. That's permanent
0: in the gene pool. Yeah,
1: yeah, Whew. yeah. And if you can see that, like what we said earlier, we have 250,000 years of evolution and we haven't changed, mm. right? So the pace at which we're meant to change. So we don't know what the negative outcome of, of tweaking the human body to that degree that rapidly you know, the exponential change. We don't know what the outcome of that is going to be. Would you
0: edit your genome? What I would do? Non-Germaline. Yeah, non
1: germline That's exactly what I would do. I would, I would deal with what I know is missing mm. and insert it in the places where I'm biologically better. Meaning that I want to be able to cope. I want to be able to golf, right? I want to be able to eat foods. Not that you now feel invincible and go do everything wrong, but even if you're doing everything right there's still a bit of a threat in our reality, right? That's how you prevent chronic disease. So there's, there's two layers. There's get rid of the bad, get rid of the threats, and then, like we said, supplements or take in the things that support you with what you don't do. That's the bucket we're talking about. Part of supporting what you don't do is if I can edit the biological or that gene SNP that is failing that will cause me to now detoxify better, I'm not going to go start breathing pollution, but I know I can do a better job with my reality now, Right. And that's me, myself, not being passed on.
0: Do you know what a double-muscled cow is? No. There's a gene that controls how much muscle mass you put on. So you clearly work out, and working out, for me, sucks, and it takes a very long time. And since I know there's a gene that's like, ah, uh, muscle's expensive, don't yeah. put on too much muscle, uh, you can adjust it. And they, there, somebody was hypothesizing that Basically, the vast majority of professional bodybuilders, like at the Olympia, Mr. Olympia level, have one of two things. Either just an unbelievable set of receptors for um, steroids, or they have this gene where you don't tell the muscles to stop growing. So they work out little. I mean, they work out hard, obviously, but the results that they get from that amount is disproportionate.
1: Yeah. Now that I've heard it, I read that article. I didn't realize what it was called, mm, uh, but well, that yeah. is again. So there's a different answer. That is genetics. That's where most of the funding, most of the research is going. Because what is the outcome that funding or research wants is a pill, right? I want to own and patent something that if I give it to you, it creates a, like you need this pill, mm. right? And the, the functional answer is lifestyle, environment, nutrition, which is you changing your habits.
0: Which yeah, is I not want to go in and snip my genes, That's what I'm talking about. So, yes, I or that thing off.
1: why is it challenging for you to put on muscle? The answer is simple. We earlier said that you're androgen dominant, mm-hmm. right? You have enough free-flowing testosterone. You bind it well, which speaks to your body type, your jawline. It speaks to all that, your phenotype, right? What you're not doing is producing enough estrogen. Estrogen is what gives you
0: mass, the deadlifter that's i lift- not producing enough estrogen. I almost didn't hear that. Yeah, because that sounds so. There's unreal. a
1: gene, so progesterone. That's mm-hmm. where you start. Converts into testosterone. You may convert that into DHT, which is like the manly man, ripped, no fat. You know, to, uh, but it's also highly I don't toxic. have a
0: dry look though. Even even when I was my leanest, yeah, I still have what they call a wet look. Right. Yeah. Isn't that from estrogen?
1: No. So uh, yes, but what you don't have is DHT. So D- GST is DHT. Sorry, is what gives you the rip striated, where you can mm. see every fiber, yeah. right? You have that. You have that clean androgen, which, for again, for health and vitality and longevity, is the best you could ask for. Mm. You probably don't clear it out. There's another gene at the top of the funnel that gets rid of it. You probably hold it in this pool. The gene that converts it into estrogen, you probably have the ultra slow version, mm. right? If we alter that, which again comes down to DIM and curcumin and different supplements, which are easy to deal with, all of a sudden you can start to fuel that estrogen bucket a little bit more. So the functional answer versus the genetic. The genetic answer is turn the switch on. The functional answer is we can deal with how, you're de- how you metabolize your hormones today. Give Let you me say bit- it
0: another way. The functional answer is there are things I can eat mm-hmm. that will increase the expression of that gene. Yes. That's so crazy to yeah. me.
1: And then all of a sudden, you're going to get gonna bigger. Get it, and we do this. We molecules. do this with athletes all the time. Mm-hmm. We, where we do, we actually do the reverse, where we work with a lot of female Olympic athletes. Um, and a lot of them have this problem where I train just as hard as her, but I can't get ripped. Right? I actually train harder than her, but I, don't, I can't have the performance because she is androgen dominant and you're estrogen dominant. Mm-hmm. So you have the strength but you don't have that, again, lean, it's harder for you to burn the fat, your endurance maybe not as much, but you're stronger, you're bigger, right? So you're in the wrong sport. And this is where even with my own kids, by the way, I've genetically tested all of them and I have their futures mapped. They can choose what to do, what, what they want with it. But I know who should be playing soccer, who should be playing football. Who oh should my be
0: God, are you going to tell them? They already know. Whoa. They already know. Okay, now I'm fascinated. So I've seen your TED Talk on that genomics is going to change parenting. Right. But you didn't mention this. I'm conflicted. Yeah. So you know that you're going to sway them, right? Those little, like, subtle... So have you heard this study is crazy? So they pulled teachers aside and they said, look, Timmy, Sally, and Bobby are gifted. Don't treat them any differently. But we just want to watch and see what happens to gifted kids in the class. And the teacher's like, cool, I won't treat them any differently, no problem. Timmy, Bobby, and Sally will inevitably mm-hmm. rise to the top of the class. Now, the problem is they picked Timmy, Bobby, and Sally at random. Right. And then just by telling the teacher they're gifted yeah. and telling the teacher, don't treat them any differently. The teacher can't help it. Yeah. They start seeing in them yeah. the giftedness. They start giving them a little more time, a little more attention, and that makes them better. Sure. Aren't you worried that by telling them their future that it will make their future come true? So,
1: again, context. What am I telling them? By yes. the way, there's also that a place. That post- they
0: should play soccer. They should, well, yes. but there's This also- one soccer, this one hockey? Like, what's the breakdown? They,
1: so, it's, what, what, do I, what am I looking at? Mm. Body type. That's step one. Yep. And when we're talking about athletics, what are they going to look like? I already know what they're going to look like as adults. That
0: is insane. But already. I'm with you. Yeah. Totally buy into Because the this.
1: hormones drive that. Right. Hormones drive fat, muscle, bone, all that stuff. Like, what are you going to look like? I also know how they think. Right. I know what version of what chemical, the same thing we talked about, production, binding, clearance. Right. I know how they do those things. So I know how to speak to them. The way they're disciplined is different. They're uniquely disciplined because I know the middle one, the middle one has the worst possible serotonin pathway. Uh Right. So he is a drama queen. Everything bothers him, everything frustrates him, so I have to give it to him piecemeal i can 't say you have this much homework right. it 's burnout can 't even start right I have to do one thing, take a break. do one thing. The other one needs high level of structure. The older one he, if he doesn 't have structure, he 's going to fail every time. But if he has a structure, he will get it done within the timeline, and the, so the way they think is unique, right. Uh, Going back to what you said earlier, by the way, there's a placebo gene. Mm. So there's literally a placebo gene. Wow. yeah, For that manifesting your thoughts, there's actually a gene that determines how well you do that.
0: I have the biggest placebo gene. Yeah. That. Whatever the <laughs> yeah. Like, most effective thought control is, that's, yeah. I got that. So
1: your ability to actually believe the sugar pill is real is actually manifested through a gene that determines how well you can convince your body that this is actually happening wow yeah so it's used it's not used enough but it's used in studies to prove things this is like
0: all big data like this is the result of just having so many people go through the thing and looking at correlations well there's they have this and their life looks like that the big data
1: is what does each gene mean what Mm -hmm. is its function that's not actionable however because that's not correlated to how does the body work that's what we do that's functional in nature meaning I can tell you what each gene does, but I, I, it, a gene isn't an individual instrument sitting in the corner. There's a symphony. They all play together, right? Your hormone system, your brain system, they're all interacting, overlaying. So if you don't understand those intersections, which is, again, the functional map as opposed to yeah. this gene means this, this gene means this, th- all you're going to end up, ever end up with is propensity. 80% chance of this, 60% because we can't figure out why there was a 40% gap. That's that intersection between your methylation and your detox, your cardiovascular and your hormones. Why do women get so much worse cardiovascular disease? Because they also have hormone toxicity. You got to look at them together. You don't separate cardiovascular from hormones. It's part of the problem, right? So anyways, going back to the kids, the, my middle son uh, wouldn't do his homework. All right? boys? Uh, the youngest is a girl. Okay. Right? Who's the smartest out of the family? So uh, middle one wouldn't do his homework. He and this is—it's just such an easy fix, which is why I like to talk about this because it seems like such a complicated problem, but such an easy fix. He would crash and burn on the floor. And what what do you? When a kid won't do his homework, it's like discipline problem, uh, you know, motivation, mood. You—that's what you lean on, and that's what you target. Mm -hmm. And then when those things don't get worked, there's friction, and that kid becomes in the bad bucket. Right, So what was actually happening? I looked at his genome, and I didn't look at a homework gene. I just looked at what was broken. And the glaring red flag was there was some stuff in mood and behavior, which is why he reacted to the level he did, but why react in the first place. He didn't metabolize starch as well. The AMY gene determines how well you convert starch into glucose and use it as fuel. He has the worst possible profile there. Hmm. His insulin response, there's a gene that determines how well you utilize insulin, worst possible profile. Homework was after dinner every day in a South Asian home where he was eating rice and naan, right? Heavy starch carb intake. Uh, And all we were doing was putting him into a coma right before the carb crash we all know about. Mm. He was having that every day right before homework and his brain just wasn't functioning. Now all of a sudden, two things schedule his food or uh, his homework sorry before dinner because even uh, because his insulin response is so poor even if you take the carbs and starches out he's still going to have a bit of you know slow down and he needs to, he needs time to catch up but he doesn't eat starches anymore because we don't want him to get type 2 diabetes he's that kid where why at 25 did this kid get diabetes why because he's not designed to eat the north american diet or even my ancestral diet he's not designed for right but My ancestral diet, as I believe it, is what I know they're eating back home today, which they didn't eat three generations ago. Mm. That's not true, right? Three generations ago, there was uh, many thousands of versions of grain, which we now have a pool of four or five that we pull from that are highly glutinous, that are luxurious and soft and fun to eat, Mm. right? So food isn't what it was even three generations ago.
0: This is really, really interesting. So if I had kids, 1,000%, I would get their genome sequenced. I don't think I would tell them, though. Yeah. Do you worry about that, or am I crazy?
1: No, there's certain things that I don't talk to them about, Mm. right? And there's certain things. When it comes to the things that they need ownership on, right? Give me an Uh, example. uh, So, for example, you remember earlier I was talking about the dopamine pathway and how I'm highly reward-seeking, My eldest son has mom's genes and so he has a little bit, he's more tendons, his tendency leans towards binding more dopamine in a slower pathway. So we had this constant friction on the way I think work, work needs to get done and the way he thinks work needs to get done. And we, would, we argued about it for years and years and years until I did his DNA and understood that he's truly perceiving the world differently than I am. I have a burning desire in my gut to get things done. He has a burning desire to only do the things that he truly enjoys and sees value in, and everything
0: else is fluff. Dude, husbands and wives need to do this. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't
1: tell you how many, in our research phase, the majority of our clinical research calls turned into couples therapy.
0: Mm. I'm not surprised That's why,
1: that's why, that's why. Now I understand. There's a gene called ADRIT2B, which determines to what degree do you imprint negative stimulus, trauma.
0: I can predict... The PTSD. Gene. The
1: PTSD, yeah. I can predict wow. if, you, if you do. And why is it that hubby or wife says that you're cold and you don't care and you don't feel? And why is it that hubby or wife says not this again? Because mm. they're holding the grudge on whatever that thing is because yeah. they imprint it. So the next time something like that happens again, they're bringing back all the baggage of the last time, PTSD. Yeah. Right. There's some people for whom it's an imprint where it becomes an actual functional emotional intelligence. But if their BDNF is also off, the thing that drives neuroplasticity, then they also get what's called shell shock. So they imprint the feeling, but it's also impactful. So they give it a lot of meaning. That's where PTSD comes from. We've done this work with the U.S. military. So we've sat there with black ops, special forces, and determined who should actually be frontline pulling the trigger, who's going to be hesitant, who can actually pull the trigger, who's going to come back with trauma and PTSD. When they're doing these simulation-type activities, How do you actually, uh, at a personalized level, determine if the guy did a good job or not based on his capacity, right?
0: I'm going to ask again, are we slaves to our DNA?
1: (laughs) Here's who you are,
0: right? Uh Your
1: DNA is telling you who you are in your brain function, in your cardiovascular function, uh, your ability to metabolize macro and micronutrients. The things you're doing are going to pull you in directions one way or the other. When it comes to mood and behavior, you have to be in the right context, that is truly the thing that will make you mentally healthy right if you're designed to be a warrior right if you're designed to strive and seek reward if you every detail matters if you bind a little bit of trauma so you're meant to hold on to that weight and fight but you're a cashier you're going to be miserable right but there's some people that that's the happiest they'll ever be as if they're that cashier mm. Right? Because none of this stuff matters to them. So it's, it starts with understanding. The very first thing I said, personalize. Who am I? Now I know what context I'm designed for. And I can thrive. I can thrive both in health, both in mood, and aging as slow as possible. So it's a combination of knowing what I do, the environment, nutrition, lifestyle choices I have to make, and putting that in the right context. That equals whatever you want. Longevity, good relationships you know, achieving your goals, all that stuff.
0: Man, this, I can think of a few things more fascinating than this. My wife often jokes that, oh, I wish I had your memory. Yeah. Now, the reason she says that is I have a terrible memory. (laughs) So things don't stay with me. Yeah. Good or bad. So if something bad happens, I will completely forget that it happened. Yeah. And so when we left our last company, Quest, I didn't miss a beat. Didn't even think about it. Yeah. It, literally my last day at Quest was Monday and then my first day at Impact Theory was Tuesday. And for Lisa it was like even though she was ready to go it was there was just something about like but that is a part of who I am and it just it things like really imprint on her in a way that they don't on me. Yeah. And I I am hyper malleable. So I can, and I mean, it's interesting, because I teach people how to do this in Impact Theory University, and I often wonder, I find this very easy to do, Mm -hmm. and then other people really struggle with it. Like, I'll I'll tell people, hey, you can build desire. Like, there's actually a process of how to reinforce it using biology to take advantage of the fact that your brain will create a story, it will justify whatever amplitude reaction you give something. So if you react largely to something, your brain goes, whoa. Then I guess we feel strongly about this. And if you do it enough, like it mm-hmm. really you'll actually get the emotion hardwired into you. And I'm like, now do I just find this easier than yeah. most people? Because I find that works for me extraordinarily well, but I know other people can struggle with it. For it's sure.
1: Very interesting. For sure. So do you remember um I don't know how long ago, so it was maybe 15 years ago, there was a genocide in Rwanda. Mm. The I think they're called a the Tutsis and the Hutus, these two tribes were killing each other. And one of their common tactics was cut the person off at the arms, at the elbows, because now you make them economically a problem also. It's not just, you know, killing them off, but let make them suffer economically. Mm. That was the terrorism that they used on each other. So imagine that trauma of people coming into your tribe watching your son's arms getting chopped off. Oh my god? Imagine that. Yeah. As soon as the war was over. These two people, the Hutus and the Tutsis, were friends in the market selling to each other as if it never happened. Mm. The guy at the elbows that had his arms cut off was working with the guy that cut his arms off. Jesus. Right? How is that possible for that to happen? Because the genetics that you're describing of yourself is probably the same. And we went back to this earlier, the fast clearance of dopamine, so the ability to just move on and think about the Mm. next thing. And the inability to actually bind the pain and trauma, which speaks to your capacity to just move on, think instead of feel, and to not remember the bad thing that happened because you actually don't remember. You have to actually imprint a feeling to be able to then recall it and use it as a tool. And if you don't do that, all you remember is the information, the intellect part of it, not the feeling part of it. That's what you do. Mm. You're you're a Tuti and Hotsu, right? So this is where... By understanding this, now everybody going through your process, you've designed something that explains your success. It explains how you became who you are. People that are like you are going to thrive with that information. The people that are like Lisa, right? Maybe they feel a little bit more, maybe it lasts a little longer. And I'm assuming some of these things, using her as an example, maybe it's not going to work so well for them. But now, you know, if they knew this about themselves, they know exactly what to add or delete Mm -hmm. to make this thing work because your system works. There's no doubt that it works. There may be some other tool that they also need or something they need to remove and customize, and all of a sudden, they also thrive,
0: right? That's so powerful. Like, what a useful addition, whether it's how to exercise, how to eat, whatever the case may be, it's really extraordinary. All right, this is all mind-blowing, man. Where can people follow you?
1: Uh, So me, uh, Instagram is CashConOfficial, so K-A-S-H-Con, K-H-A-N. We're at thednacompany.com. And we launched a podcast for our, our own audience. It was just an educational tool. Someone buys a test, they want to learn more. So, these scenarios you're hearing about, if you want to hear more about autism, whatever, go to Unpilled, the Unpilled podcast. And that's where we teach you about the way we think.
0: Love it. Yeah. Boys and girls, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Peace.